in our Nehemiah series, we've been looking at the hope of a new beginning. Uh, And so far with that, what we have seen is that God is a God of new beginnings. That's who our God is. Uh, That's what the gospel story is, is a story of new beginnings. Uh, We've seen that uh, as we pursue the work that the Lord has for us, that the gracious hand of God will be on us and work in us and through us to accomplish what it is that he desires. And last week... Uh, we saw that we are all placed with a purpose. Dogwood Church has been placed here with a purpose. And each individual who is a part of Dogwood Church has been placed here at this time with a purpose. Uh, We all have a part to play. And so with that came the challenge last. If you weren't here and you're wondering about the tables that are set up over here, uh, with the reminder that we all have a purpose and a part to play and that that God has worked to gift us uh, in a way that we can serve here in the church. We have 12 different ministry areas that if you want to learn more about, hey, this is a need that we have, you can sign up and say, I'd be willing to learn about a need. And so if you haven't done that yet, we're encouraging everyone to embrace that reminder from God's word that every single one of us has a part to play. The Holy Spirit has gifted us and God wants our faithfulness to say, I will use everything I've got for your glory, God. And so after the service, if you haven't signed up yet, please go over, sign up and say, I could I would be willing to learn about a way to serve here. Today, our text addresses the reality of opposition to the work of God, opposition to the work that God has for us. So if we are serving God faithfully uh, in the mission that he's given us, we can be certain that there will be opposition to that because there are always uh, individuals. Uh, and spiritually, of course, that's also true, is there is opposition to God and his work that he has. That was true in the time of Nehemiah and the work that he had for them. And that's true for the church today, that there is opposition to the work that the Lord has for us. So turn with me to Nehemiah 4. The sermon is titled, Faithfulness in the Face of Opposition. Faithfulness in the face of opposition. I'm going to read the chapter 1 through 23 and pray for us. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. He mocked the Jews before his colleagues, the powerful men of Samaria, and and said, What are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mounds of rubble? Then Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside him, said, Indeed, even if a fox climbed up what they were building, he would break down their stone wall. Listen, our God, for we are despised. Make their insults return on their own heads and let them be taken as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt or let their sin be erased from your sight because they have angered the, brother, the builders. 
So we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had the will to keep working. When Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashdodites heard that the repair to the walls of Jerusalem was progressing and that the gaps were being closed, they became furious. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw it into confusion. So we prayed to our God and stationed a guard because of them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of the laborer fails since there is so much rubble. We will never be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said they won't realize it until we're among them and can kill them and stop the work. When the Jews who lived nearby arrived, they said to us time and again, everywhere you turn, they attack us. So I stationed people behind the lowest sections of the wall at the vulnerable areas. I stationed them by families with their swords, spears and bows. And I made an inspection or after I made an inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and homes. When our enemies heard that we knew their scheme and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers supported all the people of Judah. Who were rebuilding the wall, the laborers who carried the loads worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. Each of the builders had his sword strapped around his waist while he was building and the trumpeter was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, the work is enormous and spread out and we are separated from one another all along the wall. Wherever you hear the trumpet sound, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work while half of the men were holding spears from daybreak until the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, let everyone, his servant and his servant, spend the night inside Jerusalem so that they can stand guard by night and work by day. And I, my brothers, my servants and the men of the guard with me never took off our clothes Each carried his weapon, even when washing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and its truth. And we confess it is true again today. God, I pray that you will help us understand. I pray that our minds will be opened. Our hearts will be changed. We pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we consider uh, the text today from Nehemiah 4 and faithfulness in the face of opposition, the truth for us to hold on to is this. Jesus is worthy of faithfulness in the face of opposition. Jesus is worthy of faithfulness in the face of opposition. So regardless of what opposition we may face, our Savior... Jesus Christ is worthy of our willingness to remain faithful to him in the work that he has for us, to remain faithful, to stand for 
the gospel, to stand for the work that he has for us. If we are being faithful to God, if we are being faithful in the mission that Christ has given the church, we can be certain that there will be opposition. And so we need to remember he's worthy of our faithfulness. As we work our way through this text, there will be four different things that I think Nehemiah kind of will model for us in uh, helping us think about how do I remain faithful. That's not an easy task when the world's pressing in. That's not an easy task when your life is on the line. And I think Nehemiah 4 does a good job of helping us see How can we remain faithful? It will help us in our faithfulness uh, in the face of opposition. So the first thing that we see is this. Faithfulness in the face of opposition requires prayer. Faithfulness in the face of opposition requires prayer. It requires prayer because the opposition is always spiritual. Even if there's physical opposition... From someone or something in this world behind that, if this is opposition to the work of God, we can be certain that there is a spiritual element to that. And so we need the Lord. This is not something that we can say, okay, you've got to just be a little bit more stronger and you're going to be okay. We have to pray because we need the Lord if we are going to face opposition and remain faithful during it. So let's look back at the beginning of the chapter. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 and verse 9. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. He mocked the Jews before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria and said, What are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mounds of the rubble? Then Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was beside him, said, Indeed, even if a fox climbed up what they were building, he would break down their stone wall. Listen, our God, for we are despised. Make their insults return on their own heads and let them be taken as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt or let their sin be erased from your sight because they have angered the builders. And then skipping down to verse nine. So we prayed to our God and stationed a guard because of them day and night. So opposition takes off. We've already seen the start of that. Back in chapter 2, and now as they continue to pursue faithfulness, as they continue in the work that the Lord has given them to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, that opposition intensifies. And it starts with just verbal attacks, mocking of the, the people of God and the work that they are doing. And... Sanballat and Tobiah, together with other uh, people who are opposed to God and opposed to the work, are insulting the Jews and the work that they have. Nehemiah's first response was to pray. 
Nehemiah's first response was to take that to the Lord, not to defend himself against the insults, but to take it to the Lord. And he prays, trusting for God to act. He prays for justice in the situation. And he prays a prayer that may cause you to scratch your head a little bit. Like, wow, that was a harsh prayer uh, in verse 4 and 5. But it's important for us to remember a couple of things to that. First is he's praying like this, not because they have angered him. And this is an opposition against him. He's praying for God's vengeance because he views these individuals as enemies of God. They have taken a stand against God and God's people and the work that God has given them. And so he's praying for God's justice. And it's important that we recognize he is trusting the Lord to bring that justice. He's not viewing this as, oh, they've done this wicked thing. I'll take it in my hands to bring justice to them. But he does pray for the Lord to bring justice to the enemies. Please don't use this prayer. This is not a prayer for us to use when someone cuts us off in traffic, right? Somebody has angered us and we say, oh, God, let them be taken as plunder. This is not a model prayer for us when someone has angered us. But it was an appropriate prayer for Nehemiah as the people had taken opposition to the Lord to say, God, you bring justice to this situation. You set things right in this situation. And so we wouldn't pray this prayer today against people as Christians. We're called to pray for our enemies. But from a spiritual standpoint, we would pray this prayer against the work of Satan and the work of the of any spiritual force that is opposed to God and the work that he has given us. We would say, God, you bring justice in this. You destroy the enemy that is in opposition to you. Destroy Satan. Leave him powerless in this situation. Nehemiah prays to the Lord and asks God to work to bring justice. Verse 9, we see it again. Uh, I'll read it one more time. So we prayed to our God and stationed a guard because of them day and night. And I talked to you earlier in Nehemiah that Nehemiah does a really good job of capturing both God's sovereignty, God's control over things, and the human responsibility. Yes, God's in control, but humanity is responsible. The people of God are responsible to act. It's not either or. Tim Keller says of verse 9, That this verse reminds us that one, God is in charge. And two, what you do really matters. God is in charge and what you do really matters. So there they prayed. They knew that they needed God to work because of the opposition. But then they took action and they posted a guard so that they would be prepared if that opposition uh, came towards them. Prayer is necessary for us to remain faithful in the face of opposition. Look at the prayer from the early church. 
in Acts chapter 4. They had faced opposition. Some of the individuals had been put in prison for defending the gospel, speaking the truth about Jesus Christ. And in Acts 4 verse 29, listen to this prayer from the early church. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. They prayed. God, consider their threats. Consider what they're saying they're going to do to us if we continue in this. And then they asked God, would you make us bold? Right? We have an opposition that's literally threatening our lives. Would you give us boldness in the face of that opposition? They prayed. And the Lord answered that. That was a request that the Lord gladly gave them what they were praying for. It says that they were filled with the Spirit and they went out proclaiming the truth of the gospel with boldness because they were remaining faithful to the work that the Lord had for them. So, for us, we know that there will be opposition to the church. Now, we live in a place where persecution to the church is not common like many believers have lived in throughout church history and some believers who still who still live in persecuted regions where they truly may die for their faith but we can be certain that there will be opposition to the work that the Lord has given us and so we must pray first and foremost we must pray we pray and so I would ask you this week to Start praying specifically about that as we're considering the work that the Lord has for us in the future. And we know that Satan does not want us to remain faithful to that. Would you start praying, God, make Dogwood a group of people who will remain faithful in the face of opposition. Make Dogwood a people who will stand firm for the good news of the gospel regardless of what comes Give us boldness, God. Let's be a people that prays. The second thing from Nehemiah 4 is this. Faithfulness in the face of opposition requires perseverance. Faithfulness in the face of opposition requires perseverance. Our temptation, any human temptation, when pressure starts to come, is to cave Once it gets hard, right? If it's just a slight inconvenience, we'll likely put up with it. But when the pressure is coming from all sides, when the threats get serious, the temptation is to say, I I just don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if this is truly worth it. But we need perseverance in the gospel mission That God has given us. And that's what Nehemiah models here. And the people of God model here in chapter 4. Is a perseverance. Verses 6 through 9. So we rebuilt the wall. Until until the entire wall was joined together. Up to half its height. For the people had a will to keep working. When Sanballat, Tobiah and the Arabs. Ammonites and Ashdodites. Heard that the repair to the walls of Jerusalem. Was progressing. And that the gaps were being closed, they became furious. 
They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw it into confusion. So we prayed to our God and stationed a guard because of them day and night. Perseverance was what was needed and perseverance is what the people of God had here. They didn't let the insults and the mocking deter them from their work. They kept making progress. They kept rebuilding the wall and they had gotten the wall till up to half of its height all the way around the city, which just in this case caused the opposition to grow. When we stand firm, that's not a guarantee always that the opposition would stop. Here it actually gets worse because they went from insults and mocking to planning all-out war. And additional groups joined them here. There have been groups of people that have been listed and now that group grows with the number of people. And if you look at the geographic location of all the different groups of people that are listed, Jerusalem is surrounded by these people. Opposition is coming from every single side. And they're saying, let's come together and destroy them. Let's wipe them out and stop the work. So the opposition grows, but they continued to persevere, even though the opposition grew. There was perseverance there. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy. As he's giving him instructions and Paul says, explains like he's gone through persecution. He's been walking through opposition to the work that the Lord had for him. And in 2 Timothy 3 verses 12 through 14, he tells Timothy this in his letter. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. We'll stop there in that verse. Paul says everyone who wants to pursue a life of godliness, everyone that wants to be faithful to God will face persecution on some level. It will come. It's actually going to get worse, he says. And what does he tell Timothy? As for you, remain faithful. Stand firm in what you know. Stand firm in what you've learned and what you believe. Right? You need to persevere in that, knowing that it's going to get worse, but committed to saying, I will not bend to this. I will continue to stand firm. And so as we pray about opposition, that's one thing to pray. God, make us a church that perseveres. Make us a church that will stand firm regardless, that won't bend to culture Just because it's easier. Pray for a heart and mind that remembers that the Lord is worthy of it. Regardless of the opposition. The third thing from Nehemiah 4. Faithfulness in the face of opposition requires remembering God. Faithfulness in the face of opposition requires remembering God. If our God is good, and He is, church, 
If our God is in control, and he is, if our God is always faithful and our God is always all powerful and he is, we need to remember that. We remember the Lord. That helps us stand firm in the face of opposition is remembering who our God is. And that's what Nehemiah calls the people to. Verses 10 through 14. In Judah, it was said, the strength of the laborer fails. Since there is so much rubble, we will never be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they won't realize it until we're among them and can kill them and stop the work. When the Jews who lived nearby arrived, they said to us time and again, everywhere you turn, they attack us. So I stationed people behind the lowest sections of the wall at the vulnerable areas and I stationed them by families with their swords, spears and bows. And after I made an inspection, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. The burden of the workload for the Israelites became so big they started to face discouragement. I, I don't know if we are going to be able to complete the task Right. It says in Judah, it was said the strength of the laborer fails. We'll never be able to do it. Right. We're not going to be able to finish what the Lord has called us to here. And so that burden is overwhelming them. The opposition grows. The people make a plan. Let's go and attack and kill them. And so Nehemiah acts by reminding them of their God. Right. He stations the people and says, we're going to defend this. We're going to stand firm in this. We don't have to run. And he doesn't say, so you don't have to be afraid because we're strong enough. He doesn't say you don't have to be afraid because we're good enough or we've got more people or anything else. He does not point to them. Why do they not have to be afraid? Remember The great, awe-inspiring the Lord. You don't have to be afraid because of who our God is. Think about who our God is. Think about what He has done. Think about what He has promised to do. And that's how you fight fear. That's how you remain faithful. So Nehemiah inspects the threat, prepares to defend them, but then says, we got to remember God. We've got to remember him, and that's how we can stand firm. I think this is important for us to remember the value of coming together in the church and the value of being honest when we're struggling with stuff in the church. A lot of times we hold that in. Here we see the people were honest with the things that were pressing in on their hearts and minds. I don't think we can do this. And Nehemiah comes beside them and says, let's remember God. We're going to be able to stand firm. We're going to be able to do what he's calling us to do. Let's remember the Lord. And that's what the church should be. Is us walking side by side, walking together through the hard stuff of this life. 
through the doubts, through the fears, and lovingly encouraging one another to remember the Lord. God's going to be faithful. He's, he's going to help us in this. So, let's be a people who constantly remembers God. And let's be a people that constantly reminds one another that God is faithful and God is good and God is in control. Right? We need to be a people that does that. And that's why Scripture is so important for us. To constantly be reminded of who our God is. That's why we continue to encourage you to read the Word is it reminds us of who our God is. We can be a forgetful people, especially when we're afraid. We can be a forgetful people when our lives are on the line. And Scripture is over and over a story reminding us, this is who your God is. And if that's true, it's going to be okay. Right? We can get through this. This is okay. And so, one thing that you can do, one practice that you can do is you study Scripture, as you read from the Bible. Ask yourself, what does this show me about God? Yes, we do need to read from it and, and learn what's it asking us to do. But a more important, bigger question to ask is, what does this show me about who my God is? That changes everything, right? And so that's one of the primary questions I ask myself in sermon prep. As I'm thinking through what does the Lord have for us here is what does this show us about the Lord? And so that's a good practice as you continue to study scripture. Remember who the Lord is as we continue to come together. We do that as an opportunity to remember together as a body who the Lord is, the great and awe inspiring the Lord. The fourth thing, final thing from this text in Nehemiah four is this faithfulness in the face of opposition requires defending the work no matter the cost. Faithfulness in the face of opposition requires defending the work no matter the cost. Now, I do want to make note, and it's an important note for us. Our task is different than Nehemiah's. Our task is different, so we don't want to apply what we see here happening in Nehemiah and say, well, that must be what the church is supposed to be doing. We're not called to build a wall. And we're not being called to build up an, an arsenal of weapons to, to go on some holy war. And there are people that, that will teach that, but that is not true. That is not a biblical understanding of what the mission of the church is. However, the work that we've been given, we are being called to be willing to defend it, to be willing to stand for it regardless of what it cost us. So verses 15 through 23, that's what we see the people doing in Nehemiah. When our enemies heard that there, we knew their scheme and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers supported all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. The laborers who carried the loads, worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other hand. 
Each of the builders had his sword strapped around his waist while he was building, and the trumpeter was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is enormous and spread out, and we are separated far from one another along the wall. Whenever you hear the trumpet sound, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continue the work while half of the men were holding spears from the daybreak until the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, let everyone and his servant spend the night inside Jerusalem so that they can stand guard by night and work by day. And I, my brothers, my servants and the men of the guard with me never took off our clothes. Each carried his weapon, even when washing. Look at the level of sacrifice that the people had to commit to to continue in the work that God had for them. Right? They had to be willing to put their lives on the line. If this is the work that the Lord has for us, I will be willing to lose my life to defend it. Right? And in addition to that, being willing to put their physical life on the line, look at the exhausting level of work that that required from them. At least double the workload, maybe triple the workload. You had to work while also being ready to fight if necessary. Constant vigilance, vigilance, sorry, constant vigilance for is a threat coming, right? Never stopping, never giving the enemy an opportunity for an advantage. If they were going to complete the work that the Lord had for them, it was going to cost them. And they were willing to continue standing firm and defending their work no matter what it cost them. They had to be willing to give everything, right? And in all of that planning and in all of that hard work to complete the task that the Lord had them had for them, Nehemiah reminds them, our God's going to fight for us. God's with us. God's going to take care of us. So again, back to remembering the Lord. He continues that here, reminding them. So they kept focused on the work that the Lord had for them. Uh, And that remembering the Lord helped continue to encourage them to keep standing for the work that God has for you. Even if it takes their lives, even if it makes you uncomfortable, even if it's hard. It's going to cost us if we're going to follow Jesus. Jesus taught us that. We saw when we walked through the Gospel of Luke that he taught that it would cost to be a follower of him. If we're going to serve him faithfully, if we're going to do the work that he's called us to, it will cost us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in the cost of discipleship, wrote, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him, or it may be a death like Luther's who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world, but it's the same death every time. Death in Jesus Christ. The death of the old man at his call. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it's going to cost us to follow Jesus, but that's what faithfulness in the face of opposition 
is calling us to do is saying, I'll, I'll stand firm in this. I'm not going to bow to culture in this. I'll stand firm in the gospel and what the, what the mission of the church is, even if, it's, if it makes the world uncomfortable. We'll do it in love, absolutely, and always. But not say, well, I don't want someone to feel uncomfortable with that truth, so I'll hold back. Or I don't want someone to, uh, to misunderstand, so I won't speak the truth. We've got to stand firm. So, let's not let our gospel mission be crushed by opposition. Our Savior came into the world to rescue us. He accomplished that at the cost of His life. Right? Jesus laid down his life for us. And so now, as we continue in the work that he has for the church, we will face opposition. And we do that by saying, we're going to take a, a firm stand. And we're going to keep doing what the Lord calls us to do, regardless of where the opposition comes from and regardless of what that looks like. We, be a, like we need to be a people saying, I will give my life for this, if that's what the Lord is asking. Remember the central truth for us to hold on to. Jesus is worthy of our faithfulness in the face of opposition. He's worthy of it. If Christ died to save us, to rescue us, to uh, restore us, and has through the Holy Spirit, equipped us for the work that He has for us. And He's inviting us into the mission of the church and the work of the church to reach the lost world. If He did all of that, He is worthy of our faithfulness. So as we strive to, to serve Him, let's stand firm no matter what we face. And let's do that through prayer because we're going to need the Lord to help us. Let's do that through persevering and saying, yes, this is hard, but the, the Lord is worthy of this. Let's do that by remembering who our Lord is. And let's do that by being committed, no matter what it's going to cost us. And as we do, we remind ourselves of this truth from Romans. If God is for us, who can be against us, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? He's worthy of our faithfulness, church. Let's pray. God, you are good. And you've always been faithful to your people. And we praise you and thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we confess that when things get hard... There are times where our hearts waver and our commitment wavers. And so we ask, Lord, that you strengthen our resolve, that you give us a boldness, uh, that in love we will continue to stand firm in the good news of the gospel and that we will continue to stand firm in the work that you have for us as a church and as individual believers. We ask that you continue to shape us into the people that you want us to be and use us for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.